Adewale. Hey, my guy. Good evening. How are you? How far? Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Before he came on, I was just uh, doing a little monologue talking about what does it take for a team to win the World Cup? You know, um, and if you look at the last five winners of the World Cup, whether it be Argentina or Italy or France or all these different people, you realize that they all have good home leagues, good federations, uh, good development programs. But then you look at Morocco, <laughs> right? You look at Morocco. How, how does Morocco get to the semifinal of the World Cup? When, so I know what your thoughts are, but it seems like there has to be an extra factor that plays a role in why these people also do well, um, all these countries do well. What are your thoughts? Well, there are key factors. Um, some of the key factors are that um, you need to have a good federation. You must have um, you must have individuals who know how to manage resources. Um, you don't just have a federation without having what it takes to manage what you have. You understand? Um, unfortunately, in the last few years, Nigerian football has not have the kind of FA chairman, talking about um, pres uh, FA president that um, should be able, I mean, that has the capacity to move Nigerian football to the next level. Um, in 2010, when Aminu Megari won and became the president of Nigerian Football Federation, I want to say that um, um, we, we call it um, the village intelligence. He was somebody that didn't go to school. He never had the kind of qualification we expected of an NFL president, but he had what they call um, the, the village intelligence. He, he, that is what he says, that um, as far as he didn't go to school, he also understands what it takes to manage football because he was a footballer. So he was able to manage what he has to get what he wants to get. He was able to get the kind of people that should come around him. The, the chairman of the technical committee at that time was Christopher Green. And of course... Um, Christopher Green, before then, was the FA chairman of River State. He was also two-time board member of the Nigerian Football Federation. He understands what it takes to manage the technical committee. And um, the results started coming. Of course, under Aminu Megari, the NFF won 13 trophies, 13 major trophies under Aminu Megari. That was between 2010 and 2014. Then Amaju Pini came into office. Amadou Pinik is very intelligent. He's got too much on his head. But again, he does not have the managerial capacity to lead Nigerian football. You need people who, beyond seeing what you have seen outside, beyond moving with FIFA and CAF, beyond every other thing, you must also have the capacity to manage human beings. Amadou Pinik was so lousy. <coughs> he talks anyhow. He insults players. He had issues with players like Victor Moses. And that was why Victor, Mo Victor Moses retired from the national team at the age of um, 26. And um, of course, he, al he also had issues with Ahmed Musa and so many other players. Wait, wait, what kind, of, what kind of issues would he have with players? He shouldn't be having a lot of interaction with the players since he's not the coach, right? So, how yeah, that, uh, of course, of course, you know that under Maju Pinnick, uh, there were recorded cases of him going to the camp of the Super Eagles even at halftime to say he wants to speak with the players. It has happened more than three times. Even in the match against Ghana, Amadou Pinnick walked into the camp of, I mean, into the dressing room of the Super Eagles and said he wanted to speak with the players. In fact, he even took the chairman, um, the chairman of Air Peace, to go speak with the players at halftime of that match against Ghana. You see, those things, those are things that have happened under this man. And the uh, majority of those things, uh, 
culminated, combined to 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 put our football where it was before he left office. Um, it's a sad one because, uh, like I said, um, it takes a lot. You must have so many qualities to be the president of an FA. Now you mentioned Morocco. Beyond the fact that Morocco have a government that has passion for football, they have passion for sports, and that is why Morocco has over thirty World Cup standard pitches. That is football pitches in Morocco. Of course, uh, when FIFA gave them the money, the money for for I mean the money to build uh, what do you call it uh, to build sports centers in all the countries of the world. Morocco collected their own money and they started bu building stadium in almost every region of, of, of Morocco. Of course, our government, um, Amadou Pinik and others, got the money and they refused to do the same. And that was why Amadou Pinik was telling people like me, who were very close to him, that he needed another tenor in office, that they should give him a third term because now he wants, he wants to start building pitches and building stadium. And of course, uh, it was too late because he had the opportunity for eight years. He never did anything different. So I think that um, we, like I said, we don't have, we have not been able to have presidents of the NFF who have the capacity to, to make changes. We don't have individuals who have the interests of Nigerian football at heart. And um, of course, um, over time, it has left us where we have been. And um, we just hope that um, Ibrahim Gusso, I'm sorry to say, it seems that he doesn't even have that capacity to, so we might just wait another four years. <clears throat> well, let me ask you this. You said um, Magari was uh, much more, well, he won more trophies. Did he have better yeah. management style? Was the was the federation more organized? And, and if he was, what was the main difference? Because I remember that time too. I mean, why was his tenor, I guess, more organized and more, more successful, if you want to put it that way? Well, like I said, I said when you don't when you when you discover you don't have what it takes, you need to look for individuals who have what it takes to run football. Now, Aminu Megari discovered at a point that uh, he had what they call village intelligence. He also knew too that he never had the kind of um, the kind of the capacity to run Nigerian football. So what he did was to appoint individuals with capacity in key positions. Now, Musa Amadu was the general secretary of the NFF. Under Aminu Megari. Musa Amadu is the first Nigerian to have a FIFA Masters. He's the first Nigerian to have a FIFA Masters. Now, he brought Musa Amadu in and made him the general secretary of the NFF. That is a key point because now you have an individual who understands what it means to be at the very top, an individual who could communicate with FIFA, an individual who, was also, who has also traveled around the world. And of course, he understands what it means to manage football at that level. Then he got Christopher Green to be chairman of the technical committee. So Green was not only chairman of the technical committee, he was also, um, he was also the man behind, I mean, behind the success story of Aminu Megari. Everywhere Aminu was going, he was going with Christopher Green because he discovered that that young man has something upstairs. In fact, let me also let you understand that as we speak today, Christopher Green occupies four positions, four positions in River State. He's the chairman of is the chairman of uh, Rivers United? Is the chairman of Rivers United? Is the chairman of Real Madrid Football Academy, set up by Governor Yeson Wiki? Is also the chairman of uh, River State Football Association. You understand? And then, um, of course, um, the fourth position is uh, is also the the chairman of uh, is the chairman of um, the River State Football. I think he has four key positions. That's why they call him. 
a man with four caps in River State. You see, so even in River State today, the people of River State recognizing the fact that Christopher Green is very intelligent. And that was why when I said that um, Aminu Megari brought him closer to him, to himself, it was because he knew that he's got the capacity to help him change things. Now you have Christopher Green as chairman of the technical committee. You have Musa Amadu as the chairman, as the chairman of, um, I mean, as the, as the general secretary of the NFF. And you also have Undukai Rabo. Undukai Rabo was the former commissioner. He was the former commissioner of sports. He was also, he was also, uh, he has also served in different, different capacities under the former government, under Good Luck Jonathan. So he was invited to come and revive the Nigerian League. He came in and he started the LMC. The NFL invited him and said, come, come and help us run the LMC. That is the league management company. And that was why when he started, the league management, the LMC was very successful. The league was adjudged as the best, the fifth best league in Africa. In fact, at a point, it got to the second best on the continent. You understand? So. Yeah. You need to get individuals who understand how to how these things are being done. But unfortunately, under under Amadou Pinik, all he wanted, all Amadou Pinik wanted was how to fill his pocket, how to make money for himself, how to get himself to, to himself to the top of FIFA and Calf Keda, and of course, how to get individuals that they can together make money for themselves, make fame for themselves, not to help Nigerian football. And that was how Nigerian football um, dropped to where it was before he left office. Yeah, but Wale, let me ask you this. They, um, you know, in, it's weird because in Nigeria, they judge this president and the federation and, and their tenure by how successful the players are on the pitch, right? So they look, oh, yeah. you know, I don't know. I'd like to get your thoughts because I don't know whether or not that's right or wrong, but I do know that that's what I judge it by a different standard. You know, okay. I look at it also from the standard of, you know, they, how much money is the organization making? Are they still dependent on government to get, to finance themselves and survive? Like you said, how many football pitches have they built? How much, how many development programs have they created? You know, I look at those things. What is the financial stability of the whole organization? But a lot of Nigerians look at him also from what did they win? Did they qualify for the World Cup? And if you look at Phoenix tenor, you know, I'm not defending him, but if you look at this tenor, they won Afcon, right? No, he did not. Didn't they win Afcon with Keshi? It didn't win. It didn't win. No, uh, I'm. I, I'm. I'm. I'm going to make Afcon with Keshi. Oh, well, Ab 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 oh yeah. was one in charge. Yeah, twenty thirteen. He never yeah. won Afcon. He never won Afcon. He, he only really? won. Uh, he won a bronze medal at the Nations Cup in twenty nineteen with um, Augustine Eguavon. That okay, was okay, in Egypt, yeah. twenty nineteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then obviously they qualified for the World Cup in Brazil. Yeah. And, uh, so they qualify for the World Cup in Russia, not Brazil. Russia. I mean, I mean, the guy qualified for the World Cup in Brazil. Brazil. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I'm confusing the two. Okay, yeah. so he qualified for one World Cup, never yeah. won Afcon. Margarita qualified yeah. for World Cups and won Afcon. Yeah. So if you're judging them strictly by the success of the team, Margarita was more successful. Yeah, he was. Okay. What he about was. the finance? What about the financial health of the organization and uh, and the development? Of the sport in the country like building of like you mentioned like we talked about morocco building of facilities um qualification of the youth teams for world cups you know you are media officer for the under 20. what do you think about those areas 
Well, under Aminu Megari, we have two FIFA Gold projects. Aminu Megari built a FIFA Gold project in Bauchi, um, his, home his, his hometown in Bauchi State. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. there was another one that was uh, built in um, Abuja. In fact, there are three FIFA Gold projects. Of course, the third one, the third one was not commissioned by FIFA. You understand before he left office so i can say we 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 had two fifa go projects and then of course um, under amaju pinic they made a promise to build a fifa go project in the um, casino state that one was never done and then um, as we speak even until he left office he did not he, he did not succeed in giving giving us um, a fifa go project and um, again i also say that um, financially yes amaju pinic was able to bring more money into the into the federation but again you want to ask where is the money? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, if, we, if we decide to go into that, there are so many issues. There are issues to be discussed because um, we signed a deal with Nike. Um, the first deal they signed with Nike was uh, $100,000. 100, Not even a billion, $100,000. Yeah, yeah $100,000. And they said that um, it was because there were issues with the contract Nigeria had with Adidas. So when they came into office, no kitchen company wanted to do business with Nigeria. So they needed to go to Nike and say, please, just come and help us. So Nike came in and Nike offered to give Nigeria, I think, 100,000 US dollars. Was, now, it, was, it, started, was, was it 100,000 US dollars in cash or was it in uh, equipment? Do you remember? No, not in cash. And the, that is, um, the value of the deal. The value okay, of okay. the deal is just about 100,000 US dollars. And then, um, of course, uh, Nigeria started asking, we are too big a country to send that kind of deal with Nike. And they said that it was not, I mean, that the, the tenure of the deal is just about one year, just about a one year, one year deal. So we waited. He came into office in 2014, September 30, 2014. And we waited for another one year. Once the one, once the one year ended, they signed, they now went back to Nike. I remember that deal was done in London. And that was where they signed another deal with Nike. Now, when they signed the second deal with Nike, Nobody, I repeat, nobody knew what was involved, what was signed in that particular deal. Until this day, nobody knew what was involved. So those are the issues. They, 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 they signed a deal with Globalcom. They signed a deal with MTN. They signed a, they signed, they continue to come up to say, yeah, we have a partnership. You know, they, they came up, they coined up a word. Instead of calling it um, a, a contract, they will tell you it's a partnership. You understand? So you don't seem to understand what they mean by partnership. Now, again, there's another angle to it. They have a company they call uh, uh, Mediterranean Sports Limited. Mediterranean Sports Limited is owned by Sheudiko. Now, Sheudiko is an ally to Amaju Pinic. They are close palace. These two guys are deadly in business. So what they do, they sign this with the name of Mediterranean. No, they sign this with the Nigerian Football Federation using the NFL to sign this. And at the end of the day, Mediterranean Sports Limited, the money goes into the account of Mediterranean, Mediterranean Sports Limited. There are so wait, 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 many... Wait, 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 yeah. wait. So you're saying that they create this dummy corporation. Yeah. The dummy corporation goes in and gets yeah. the deal done with a Nike... On behalf of, on behalf of Nigerian Football Federation. Acting as, yeah, so now they pay, they pay that corporation, they pay that corporation the money and the, the corporation will not pay the NFF. Yeah, I've been there. So those, those are the issues. There are so many other issues like that. Majority of the deals that came to the NFF came through Mediterranean Sports Limited. <clears throat> but no one, you know, it, wait, no one ever investigated this. They did. The that is the they did. 
there was there was there was a 115 page document that was submitted to EFCC and ICPC. Those guys went to EFCC and ICPC for close to eight years of their days in office. In fact, they had over 30 cases in court. People were taking them to court. They were also going before ICPC and EFCC. But my brother, for that eight years, they survived it. No Nigerian believed that those guys will not be in prison by now. But how they survived it, only God knows, because they get, they've got enough money, they've got cash, they have connections, and of course, they have people in government. So they were able to survive it. And uh, of course, if you are not if you have if you have not been able to owe somebody right down the line, there's nothing you can do. You just accept the fact that uh, but, they were but, all but, accusations. But the thing is, the thing is, well, okay, so you survived it. This last election, yeah, Chio Diko ran. He ran yes. again. Yes. Yeah. And um, Pinnick has now moved up. He's now a FIFA so, executive. So FIFA, yeah. Yeah. So all these things didn't affect them in any way because they were never convicted of them. They were not, yeah. Yeah, because, because uh, like I said, these guys have connections. They know too many people. Right. Before Pinnick like went in for the... They were... before, let, let me tell you, before Pinnick went in for the, for the FIFA council election, there was a 115-page petition that was sent to the FIFA ATs committee. <laughs> the FIFA ATs committee sat, they had a meeting, they looked at the, they looked at the petitions, and after yeah. looking at the petitions for close to one week, they came back to say they found him not guilty. The reason being that majority of the charges that were put against Amadou Pinnick are domicile in Nigeria. They are, they, are, they, are, they are offenses that are committed against Nigeria, not against, not against FIFA. You understand? And I said that there was yeah. nothing they could, they could hold him responsible for. And that the money he stole, the money they claim he stole, we are not FIFA money. And that there is no way FIFA can say that we have it on record that this man stole the money we gave to them. Now, the people that petitioned them, now let me tell you what happened. After the 2014 World Cup, you know, Aminu Megayu was president of the NFF until September 30, 2014. Now, after the 2014 World Cup, there's a money that is given to the NFF, so that is given to the Federation as money for participation. That money, as I then, was $2.5 million. You understand? Now, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, unfortunately for Aminu Megari, he left office on September 30th. The World Cup took place between June and July. The money from FIFA will not come out until December. <laughs> so when he left office in September 30th, the money came out in December and Amaju Pinik was the president. Mm. You understand? So yeah. Amaju got hold of that money. That participation money, 2.8 million. Uh, 2.5 million. In 2018, the same Amaju was in office. He was the one that went to the World Cup in Russia. It was there in December when that money came. In fact, in 2018, the money has moved from 2.5 million to about $8 million. Now, those money, when they come, it goes direct to the NFF coffers. It was because of this same money in 2014 that Musa Amadou was sacked in 2015. Now, like I told you, Musa Amadou was the general secretary under Aminu Megari in 2014. When Aminu Megari left office in, in September, on September 30th, 2014, Musa Amadou was retained by Amadou Pinnick as the general secretary. You understand? So when that money came out in December, they were supposed to use that money to build FIFA complexes, to build, um, to, to build pitches. 
You understand? So use it to because normally FIFA will tell you this money is for football development. That is the title, the tag given to the money. So when the money came out, came in, Musa Madu called Amaju and Amaju and said, "Look, we have this money, and we need to use it to develop football from the grassroots." And when they say football development, it means that you can build stadium, you can build pitches, you can do so much for you for grassroots football development. Now. Immediately, Musa insisted that that was what the money was meant for. Amaju told him, if you know you want to keep your job, then take your eyes away from that money. He said, I have made I promises. You. you understand? He said he has made promises. Yeah. And what are the promises? He yeah. had to make a promise to get the NFL presidency in 2014. In fact, before the election in 2014, even on the eve of the election, Shehu Diko was the number one candidate to emerge NFL president. But when yeah. they took the election to Delta State, Amaju Pinnick and of course, his former brother, I mean his former in-law, Odwagan. Odwagan was the Odwagan was the former governor of Delta State. Yeah. Of Delta State. So yeah. Odwagan used his political office to influence him. And on the day of the election, they came up with a letter, with a letter indicting Shewudiko saying that um, he was sponsoring um, Boko Haram. And that was how Shewudiko was disqualified on the floor of the election. Now, immediately Shewudiko was out of the pecking order. They made a promise to Shewudiko that if Amaju becomes NFF president, that they will go. They, they are going to make Shewudiko the chairman of LMC. You understand? And that is how Shewudiko later became chairman of LMC in 2015. Mm. You understand? So now, Amaju became NFF president after those agreements were made. Now, in needs, Amaju had made promises to so many people. Even the, say, the Aminu Megari that made him NFL president, the former NFL president, he needed to settle him out of the FIFA money. So now, he came and told Musa Amadou, there is no way I'm going to use this money to develop youth football. This money, I have made promises to people and I need to settle them. You understand? So that was mm -hmm. how they shared the $8 million that came from FIFA in, 20, in 2018. I mean, I mean, the 2.5 billion that came from FIFA in 2014. That of 2018, they also shared it among themselves, including the former sports minister, Solomon Dalong. <laughs> you see, there are issues. There are so many things I know that if we start this, if we start discussing today, we might not end. We might not yeah, end. But the, 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 thing is, the thing is, it seems like from everything you've discussed, everybody's yeah. complicit. Yes. Everyone, yes. everyone, everyone that was a key decision maker in that system had their hands dirty so when you have that kind of environment you can't it be extremely difficult to bring anyone to the book like you said they were going to court nothing ever came out of it right because i mean if everyone's in the same boat nothing happens there's one thing that happened though i think this happened maybe i think it last three years ago uh three yeah. years ago they had an audit by PricewaterhouseCoopers. Yeah, yeah. Of the NFF books. Yeah. I saw the results of that audit. Yeah. And I actually got the results of the audit from a FIFA site. Because NFF won't put it up on their site. And um, and it was interesting. I don't know what... Do you, do you recall what happened during that period? Whether or not uh, the audit was legitimate? Whether or not... Um, 
the information that they were you they were able to gather from the audience. Yeah, Price Price Water Price Water sat down to look at the books of the NFF, and after looking at the books of the NFF, they told the NFF because you see, they, they, unfortunately, they didn't make it public. But some of us were privy to the information of uh, information that were in that uh, that uh, this decision taken by Price Water. They 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 told the NFF that they found a few flaws. They find a few flaws in what they've just seen and that they want the NFF to make a few corrections. In fact, if you notice, within that period, FIFA did not pay, they did not pay the normal uh, football grant to the NFL for almost, almost two years because of what price was submitted to FIFA. Nearly FIFA saw it, they knew that there were issues. So they had to stop the NFF. The, the normal youth football development and other grants they used to give to Nigerian Football Federation. It happened. And um, along the line, they had to do a few corrections and they went back to FIFA to do an apology. And that was how they started paying them again. But the truth of the matter is that the, if, you, if you really have that report, you'll find out there that Pricewater actually indicted the Nigerian Football Federation with that report. Oh, really? So, so I think you know part of it is the, you know because I remember I saw the report and I saw the numbers, and uh, it was interesting because most of their money came from government grants. Yeah, you know they didn't they didn't make a lot of money from um, sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, it was from government grants that the federation uh, that the country approved and gave to them. You know, yeah, which which was interesting. And if you ever take a look at Nigeria's budget. And you look at the line items for sports. There's a there's a line item there that's specifically for the NFF. You know, um, if you look at the National Sports Commission and the different areas it targets to budget for for sports, there's actually funds that go to the NFF. So I thought that was interesting. But that report didn't indict them in any way. You know, the report was done. It was over with. They moved on. And and if anything, the report kind of validated their claims that they weren't doing anything wrong. You understand? So it was a very interesting piece there, that period. I don't know if you if you if you have anything to add about that period and what your experiences, but I remember clearly because the narrative became, oh well, look, Pricewaterhouse came, independent auditor, they came, they audited our books, they didn't find anything. Therefore, we're not stealing any money. You people leave us alone. Well, that's, that has always been their defense. And um, like I said, um, except you don't, uh, I, I wish, I wish I had that report before I came on air. I would have yeah. been able to read part of the report to you. If I, if I do my investigation, I'll be able to get that report. I got guys who can, who can easily bring out those documents. But the truth of the matter was that um, I remember that they were indicted. And then, um, of course, um, the FIFA grants, the normal money that was coming from FIFA, Mm -hmm. was um, was stopped. FIFA stopped paying them for some time. And yeah. that really affected Nigerian football. And again, you see, these guys, like I told you, it is what they declare that you know. If they tell yeah. you that we got two million from Globalcom, that is what you know. If they tell you we right. got five yeah. million. In fact, the deal involving the NFF and IETO is one deal that uh, is one deal that uh, not many people know about. Mm -hmm. the, the figures they give out is not exactly the figures you get. You understand? So it's a sad one because uh, they have masters. They have people who are masters in the game. People mm -hmm. who can doctor information. You understand? Yeah. Um, I remember that uh, I was also a consultant. I was a, a consultant, a media consultant to the chairman as committee on sports between 2014, 2013 and 2016. 
the chairman house committee on sports at that time was um, Elijah, Elijah Godfrey Geya. You understand? And I worked with him for close to four years. And for every sitting, for every budget defense involving the NFF and the committee, I was always there. And as a journalist, I was always taking notes. I've seen issues where the NFF will put on their paper or on their books that they use so, so, so amount of money to build so, so amount of pitches, so, so amount of football centers in so, so states. And of course, the committee will send people to go and investigate, and they will come back and they will tell you there's no football center in any of those states, and that there are no pitches in any of those states. See, those are things. Those, that, that's why, like I told you... Well, um, well, well let me... Um, I was able to find the uh, audit report, because I knew... Okay. This let, me, let me pull it up. Share my screen real quick. Uh, not sure how this will come up, but let's see. Uh, oh goodness, can you see it? Yeah, I'm seeing it. Yeah, so, um. As you can see here, it says executive committee. Amaji Pinik, President, Sheyaki Mumi, first vice yeah. president, Sheyu Diko, second vice president, Suleiman Kwande, and then it has all the members, including yeah. Green, Baba Ghana, Kali, Musa Duhu, uh, Kali Muhammad. And uh, you see here how it breaks down. You know, it says, uh, this is for the year ending December 2017. So it brings down the revenue. This is in, uh, what do you call it? <coughs> in Naira. And the General Secretary, Mohammed Sanusi, signed it. Uh, let's see what the it was signed by Amadu Pinnick in uh, on October 2018. See, this is what they found, and like you said, is what they declared that becomes available. So, in our opinion, mm -hmm. the Nigerian Football Federation's financial statements give a true and fair view team and of its financial performance ended in accordance with the international financial reporting standards and the requirement of the Nigerian Football Federation Statutes and Financial Reporting Council of Nigeria Act. So according to financial statements, which comprise of the statement of financial position as of 31st December, the profit and loss and comprehensive income for the year ended, the statement of changes in equity for the year ended, statement of cash flows, and the notes of financial statements. Um, and it was interesting. Let me go to what they found. PwC. So yeah, so these were the numbers, right? And they compared 2016 to 2017 number. Sporting income, sponsorship, subventions, and then the expenses. 
um, as you can see, most of their money came from subventions. This is essentially government money right here. Yeah. Uh, then the second one was sponsorship and then the sporting income. The sporting income, let me show you where they have the definitions of this thing. The sporting income, I believe, and these are the assets, the current assets, not current asset liabilities and the rest. The sporting income, I believe, that co that is money that comes from FIFA. Yeah. So, yeah, this was it. I, if you want um, offline, I can send you a copy. So you can, send me a copy. Yes, I'll need a copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this and I believe this was the old uh, address, the Ulushego Passenger. Yeah. Or we'll say yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, this is this is uh, the document. I remember pulling this a while ago, a couple of years ago, and just looking at it. But I think the point you made is is a good one in the sense that it's what they share with. Yeah, it's what they share with Pricewater we audit. I mean, it's, it's the document you get at your audit. You don't audit what you don't know. You mm -hmm. understand? Like I also said, um, they audited it based on the NFF account, but they don't know that there is a private company between Amaju and Dico that they were using to send this money into the account. The money comes through, there's a third party. There's a third party arrangement, which which under normal circumstances is not allowed under FIFA. So there are so many things involved, like I said. Yeah, I know. It, it is a valid point. Um, as you can see, I see the revenue recognition. Sporting income represents receipts from participation in FIFA, Continental and National Sports Commission sporting activities. So they get, that's what uh, accounts for the sporting income. The sponsorship is the sponsorship they get from direct sponsorship deals. And then the subventions... That is the annual subventions from the federal government of Nigeria through the office of the accountant general of the federation. So the subventions part, that's the money they get from the federal government accounts for their largest amount of income. So yeah, I'll send you a copy of this as well so, so you can see it. But yeah, it's a... Uh, it's very interesting, my brother. I think, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> but the question is, where do we go from here, right? So we have a new president, right? He comes in on the eve of a failure to qualify for a World Cup on, you know, our league is failing. We haven't won Chan ever. I don't think we've ever won Chan. Um, we have not yeah, uh, our youth teams, U20 and U17, both failed to qualify in the last run. Um, so we haven't made an appearance in the youth global tournament. In how yeah. you, know, you would know better than I was. You were the media officer. Um, yeah. It seems like everything is falling apart in the house. There's not one thing you can point to that's a success story. And usually what we use as success story is what happens on the field, because that's the only thing we can we can We can't celebrate the financial management of the organization or we can't celebrate the strong organizational structure yeah. <laughs> of the federation you know so what we celebrate is when we do well in tournament and we haven't you know they hired this guy Picero I mean I don't know nobody knows what he's doing at least at least Janet Raw 
we, we would we would track and follow and understand you know he he could see the effort this guy we don't even know we don't even know <laughs> you know so i know what are your thoughts and then we have this new president that comes in um i don't know i don't know anything about him so let, let me let me let me tell you a little bit about um Ibrahim Guso. Ibrahim Guso is uh is a, is, is a staff of um the Zafra State. Um um they is um how do I put it? Is a civil servant. Ibrahim Guso is a civil servant in, in Zafra State. He's been he's been chairman of um, Zafra State Football Association for more than a decade. And then, of course, uh, he was part of the former NFL board. In fact, he came in as, uh, in fact, the first time he came to the Secretariat was as far back as um, 2011, when the former NFL president, Aminu Megari, brought yeah. him to the NFF and introduced him as his personal assistant. He started coming to the NFF as Aminu Megari's personal assistant. And before you know it, we got to know that he was elected FA chairman in Zafra State. And as FA chairman in Zafra State, he also started building a, a, a kind of um, ambition. And uh, along the line, he was, he was elected into the NFL board under the leadership of, uh, um, what do you call him, Amaju Pinnick. So he came in with Amaju Pinnick in 2014. I was there with Amadou Pinnick to 20, I mean, to 20, um, 2022. Now, the funny thing with Ibrahim Guso is that um, he was a lightweight. When he first came into office, when he first came into the board, he was a lightweight. He was not, um, he was not that powerful. But um, he was lucky because he became the chairman of chairman. What it means is that he was the chairman of all the FA chairmen. Now we have 37 FA chairmen. And once you are the chairman of chairman, it makes you the third most powerful, I mean, the fourth most powerful member of the board. So you have the president, you have the first vice president, you have the second vice president, who is the chairman of the LFC, and now you have the chairman of chairman. So those are the four most powerful members of the NFF hierarchy. Now, as chairman of chairman, he took advantage of his position and his closeness to the FA chairman to mm -hmm. start plotting a coup. So when it became obvious that Amadou Pinnick wanted to go for a third term, it was Ibrahim Gusso that called the chairman together and said, look, we are not going to allow Amadou to achieve his third term ambition. And he was the first man to tell Amadou that he wants to come out and contest as NFF president. So he became an instant hero because immediately he did that. The likes of Sheyi Akiwumi, Shehu Diko, everybody started saying they also wanted to contest. Because for them, they could have kept quiet for Amadou Pini to come get, the, uh, get uh, the, the slot and say he wants to go for a third term. But it was Ibrahim Gusso that was able to break that jeans and say, no, we don't want you again. Your time is up. You have to go. So yeah, how, did he, how, did he, how did he become chairman of chairman? How do you, yeah, the chairman of chairman's position is, is, is an elective position. It's an elective position. So he bought a form to contest mm -hmm. for that position. Fortunately for him, he bought that form and he went in unopposed because there was nobody that came to contest against him. So that was how he became chairman of chairman. I see. So go ahead, sir. Yeah, you were saying. Yeah, so 
So that was how he became chairman. So he, he was chairman of chairman for eight years. Eventually, was he, he had the boldness because at that point the chairman so much loved him. Even when they went for the last World Cup in Russia, 2018, when there was no money for the FA chairman, he was the one that went to Amadou Pinik and said, "We need to take care of this chairman." And he was able to get some money from the sponsors, and that was how they gave those chairman money to come back from the World Cup. So he has done good things to the FA chairman, and it was time for them to pay back in 2022. So when he decided to contest for the NFL presidency, it became obvious that he was the number one candidate for that post because the likes of Shea Wudiko and Sheri Akumi were seen as allies. They were pallies. They were friends to, to Amadou Pinik. And of course, being the first vice president and second vice president, many felt that if you have worked as first vice president and second vice president and you could not change anything for eight years, why are you coming back and saying you want to become president of the NFF? It is better mm -hmm. for you guys to go together. And that was how they were able to push Amadou Pinik, Sheye Atoumi, and Sheo Diko out of the office. And um, um, Ibrahim Gusso emerged as NFL president. So um, the coming of Ibrahim Gusso is almost the same thing like the coming of Aminu Megari. Like I told you, Gusso is um, is not a graduate. Uh, I doubt if he has uh, I doubt if he has a uh, uh, school start. And then, um, of course, um, he's somebody who I will tell you that uh, struggles to express himself. He's not somebody who has the boldness to talk outside. He cannot stand out there and defend his, himself or defend the Federation. But again, he's one man who has a lot of intelligence. He has what they call the native intelligence. You understand? And um, he understands football to his own little way. He can be able to tell you, I know that we can do it this way, we can do it this way. He was also former chairman he was former chairman of uh, he was a former chairman of uh, the the uh, what do you call it uh, match commissioners appointment committee under Amadou Pinik. He was chairman of match commissioner appointment committee under Amadou Pinik. Then of course he was also the chairman of chairman, like I told you. So um, does he have the capacity to take to change Nigerian football? The answer is no. But we have people in the board that have got what it takes to help him change Nigerian football. I think the answer is yes. We've got a few individuals that are very knowledgeable, individuals that, if given the chance, they can change a few things. Um, Ayan Siago. Ayan Siago is the chairman of Eimba Football Club. He's been chairman of Eimba Football Club from 2000. 2002, he was part of the team. He was the chairman of the team that won the CAF Champions League back to back 2003 and 2004. And um, of course, you also have um, Aisha Falode, who is um, a former journalist and also the former chairman of um, the chairperson of the Women's League under Maju Pini. But then she was appointed. Now she's voted into the board, so she has a say. Then she was appointed so she could not talk, say anything because if she talks, they can tell her we appointed you, we'll sack you. But now she has been voted into office, nobody can sack her. So now she can talk. We also have, um, um, we also have, um, which other person? Um, we have a young man from Aqua Ibom State who is the chairman of the Aqua Ibom State Football Association. He's also in the board. And um, one or two other guys who I think can talk. You understand? But like I said, unfortunately, um, his native intelligence is making um, uh, making show Ibrahim Gusso beginning to think that this is more like a tribal 
or religious thing. I mean, he's taking too many of his tri tribal men along and they have started taking decisions that are odd. Now, if you came into office and the first thing you did was to set up a, a tax force. They called it the Youth Football Tax Force. That tax force is led by the chairman of Katsina FA. His name is Aminu Balile, who is the chairman of Katsina FA. And of course, you also have the chairman of, uh, of Abuja FA, that is FCT FA. His name is Abba Mukhtar. And of course, the third person in that tax force is um, Bukola Alakpade, who of course, you know, is um, the former commissioner for sports in Ugo State mm -hmm. and um, uh, football marketing guru. So the three of them, we are, we are appointed to head the football tax force. Now, what is the duty of the football tax force? Their duty is to go source for money to help, to help our youth national teams to qualify for major competitions. I think they started well. They got the money. The under-23 team, um, under team has qualified for the... I mean, the, yeah, the under-23 team has qualified for the next stage of the Olympic qualifiers. The under-17 team um, went to, to Ghana and won the under-17 uh, Waffle Championship, while the under-20 team also went to the Nigerian Republic and won the under-20 Waffle Championship. So what it means is that we have, they have all qualified for the AFCON, that is the African Football, I mean the African Under-20 Championship. Now the Under-20 team will be heading to Egypt in February to take part in the AFCON competition. While, of course, <coughs> the Under-17 team will also be heading to Algiers for the Under-17 Championship, the Under-17 under AFCON Championship. So what it means is that under Maju, back-to-back, -back, we did not qualify for Under-17 Nations Cup. Back-to-back, -back, we did not qualify for Under-20 Nations Cup. Back-to-back, -back, we did not qualify for, for, for chance. Now, under, under um, Gustav, we have qualified for the AFCON. And I can tell you, I can beat my chest to tell you that we have got two very good teams. The team that will be taking part in the AFCON, AFCON for men, uh, for under-20s, is going to win that cup. Even if they don't win that cup, they will qualify for the under-20 World Cup. That is because I have followed that team and I'm telling you authoritatively that we have got a good team for the under-20 team. That's, now for that's, the, under the, team, that's team, the team with the... The coaches are Ladan Boson, Unduka Abadi. Ladan Boson, yes. Ladan Boson, yeah. yeah. And then Unduka Abadi is U17, right? Well, under-17, yeah. So the under-17 team is led by Unduka Abadi and of course, he's got some wonderful young coaches that are working with him. And I must also tell you too that that's another very good team. Now, the reason why they are doing... The reason that why we are having good teams is the fact that, uh, for, for once, we have people who have been able to source for money to support these national teams. We also have people who have come out to say, look, whatever you want, we are going to give to you. And again, we have a federation that has told the coaches that we are not going to concentrate on the super egos. We know that the strength of Nigerian football is in the youth national team. We want to concentrate on the youth teams. You understand? That is yeah. one good step Ibrahim Gusso has taken. And of course, it's going to take us places. Let me tell you a story. In 2016, we had the best under 20 national team ever in the history of Nigerian football. That was the team that had Victor Osime, the team that had Oji Okonkwo, the team that had uh, Samuel Chukwezi, who is playing mm -hmm. for Villarreal FC right now. Yeah, yeah, we brought yeah. some wonderful players. We had Kingsley, Kingsley Michael, he played for Bologna. 
We have Ojo Okonkwo, who was playing for Bologna and later went to play for Montreal FC here in Canada. You understand? Those were mm -hmm. fantastic footballers. Now, on the eve of our final qualifiers, we went, we went to Sudan to beat Sudan at home. We went to Burundi to beat Burundi at home. We beat Burundi home and away. We played three qualifiers. We won all matches. We went to Sudan to beat Sudan at home. And it was just left for those boys to come back home and beat Sudan in Lagos. Now, this happened. On the same day they were going to play Sudan in Lagos, the president of FIFA, Gianni Infantino, was visiting Nigeria and was to be hosted by the NFF. The NFF was going to spend 100 million naira to host Gianni Infantino. And they've not paid these boys their bad luck of, back, backlog of match allowances and match bonuses. You understand? So on the eve of the match, the boys said they were not going to train. They decided not to train for two days before the match. And eventually they lost to Sudan. And that was how we did not, that was how we did not qualify for the under 20 World Cup that year. Now, on that particular day, I sat on the pitch and I shed tears. I was not crying because we did not qualify, but I was crying because I felt that one of the best sets of Flying Eagles players have been denied the opportunity to go to the World Cup and, and, and win the World Cup. You understand? Yeah. That is the team that produced Victor Simen, the best striker in Europe as we speak, if not the best striker in the whole world. He plays yeah. for Napoli Football Club. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I watch all their games. He's a monster. Yeah. God bless you. So, so yeah. you see, those things, all this happened under Maju Pinnick. Everything under Maju Pinnick was just upside down. The young man never had interest in Nigerian football. All he was doing, all he was doing was to promote himself. He brought Gianni Fantino to Nigeria on the day we were playing a vital World Cup qualifier just because he wanted to put himself on the books of FIFA, on the good books of FIFA, and because he had an ambition to become a FIFA, a FIFA committee member. So see, those things, the good thing with Ibrahim uh, Gusso is that Gusso is, is not flamboyant. He's not flamboyant. He doesn't want to buy a private jet. He doesn't want to buy the, be the best houses. He's an aboki who just thinks that he needs to make a name for himself. He wants to succeed. Ibrahim Gusso will be like Aminu Megari. You mm. understand? He's going to be man. like Aminu Megari. The only thing he needs to do is to find individuals with the capacity to improve Nigerian football and put them in key positions. I'm disappointed in, in him because the election was done on the 30th of September. And as we speak, we're in January. We have September, October, November, December, January. We have four months. We have, he has not been able to take one key decision on the way forward for Nigerian football. As at this time, we should know if he wants to continue with Persero as the chief coach of the Super Eagles. Pesero is the worst coach we've ever employed. Nigerians complained Terrible. about uh, Ganotro, but I must tell you that Pesero is even worse. Under yeah. Pesero, we've played about six friendly matches and we lost all the friendly all matches. Them, yeah. Yeah. We lost everything. And nobody is even saying, look, what is this coach giving to us? But I know he's handicapped. Why he's handicapped is the fact that he cannot sack Ganotro. He cannot sack Pesero. Now, Amadjupinik left office. They sacked Ganotura just before the World Cup qualifiers ended. And he left office. Ganotura took us to FIFA. And we have been made, the NFL yeah. have been made to pay Ganotura yeah. a backlog of outstanding money. Yeah. That money now will not be paid by Amaju. That money is being paid by Gusso. So it will be difficult for Gusso to not sack Pesero, a, a coach he did not employ. You understand? Yeah. 
So those are the difficulties. As much as he doesn't like Perseo, he knows that he cannot add another 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 problem to his head because as he stands now, he's still trying to pay the debt of um, Galatron. He will not want to sack Perseo, so he will not start paying another debt. So those are the issues. But I feel that we must take we must take a decision going forward. We need to tell Perseo that we are we are we. We, we, we can give him an ultimatum. You need to win the next 10 matches. If you don't, you have to go. You understand? If it, they, 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 should, they should be able to sit down and review his contract. Let us look at what is on that contract. What are those things on paper? You understand? But, yeah. um, but I think, I think a, lot done contracts, a lot of these contracts, what they do is they make them very airtight. So his salary is guaranteed. If they fire him, they have to pay him. Um if they want to renegotiate the contract, it will come with a premium. Like they, they do all these things to make it. But you, you know one thing, you know one thing yeah. that I know. There's something <clears throat> that I know. In fact, I'm going to bring up that topic tomorrow. I'm going to call the sports minister and I will ask him a question. When they wanted to sign Persero, the sports minister told them, You know, we went to the Nations Cup in 2022. It was after we failed to, when we were knocked out. We went to the Gavon. With a gravel, when we are knocked out in the first round of the Nations yes. Cup, that uh, they immediately called a meeting and said they were going to employ a foreign coach. The minister said they should go and get a very good foreign coach that led for him, he still wanted to go for a local coach. But because Amaju was insisting, you know, that's why we did not qualify. Local coaches did not qualify for the World Cup, they didn't qualify for the, I mean, we didn't go to the quarterfinals of the Nations Cup. He said, okay, go and get me a foreign coach. They brought Pesero. He said, Let's look at the CV of Persero. When they look at the CV, they discover that it, it was not a good coach. Yeah, now, yeah. they wanted to give Persero a four-year contract. The minister insisted that they should give him a one-year working contract. After that, if he performs, they can now renew his contract and not give him a four-year contract. So, I know that we have what Persero still has is that one-year deal. I think it's mm -hmm. high time the NFF and the ministry sit down and review his contract. If they can work on that, they can easily tell him to go because that man will not take Nigerian football anywhere. But, but, but again, you know, if you start Pestero, who can you employ? I agree with you that yes, we need to terminate this contract because I've, I've watched all those six friendlies you're talking about. Yeah. I've watched that. I've watched his approach to the team, uh, the scouting, the way they are working, and I really do not see anything that he's bringing to the table. Nothing. So Nothing, the question yeah. is yeah, the question is okay. If we sack Becerra today, we as a country, we have to make a commitment. Are we going to create a long-term project to develop our, 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 our national coaches and have the confidence to put the best of the best at the helm of Super Eagles? Or are we going to continue to bring in these Europeans and give them you know, 50, 60, 70 K US per month, all expenses paid, guaranteed contracts, golden parachutes, and then they, yeah. don't do, they, they don't perform better than what Keshi did when, you know, God bless his soul, when he was alive and he was in charge of the team. So you have to ask yourself, what are they truly bringing to the table that is commanding this level of salary? Because at the end of the day, if it's UEFA Pro license, Ulisse has UEFA Pro. Uh, has UEFA Pro. Yeah. has coached in Tanzania and been successful. He's coaching Zambia. He's coaching Zesco FC of Zambia. Yeah, they have the papers. They have the international pedigree yeah. at the highest level. 
you have coaches. Mutia Adepoju is there. Yeah. You know, you have, you have coaches that have the pedigree. So we have to make a commitment long term. I'm not talking. You know, uh, you know, you know what, you know what I suggested. I, you're on NSN, the Nigerian Sports mouthpiece, uh, mouthpiece and platform. Yeah. I made a suggestion there. I told the NFF. I said, look, you know, the NFF uh, president, um, Ibrahim Guso is also on that platform. The sports oh, minister, right. almost everybody is on that platform. So what I did was, I said, look, I have watched the president on that 20 team. I followed that team when that team went to the Nigerian Republic. They defeated all commerce. They didn't just defeat all commerce. They defeated them with resounding results. They beat Ghana, the Ghanaian national team. They beat almost every team they played. And now the good thing about that team is that in that particular team, we found a crop of young players that are, that are very determined. And beyond the fact that they are determined, you can also see the future of Nigerian football in that team. Now, this is what I told the NFF. Call the coach of the team, Ladan Bosu, and tell him, we want to commit you. We have seen that you are putting together a crop of players that can take Nigerian football to the next level. We are charging you if you can take this team to qualify for the World Cup by winning the AFCON and qualifying for the World Cup and getting as far as the semi-final of the World Cup. The World Cup, the, the under-20 World Cup is in, is in 2023, this year. This year we had, they are playing the World Cup. Yeah, where is it being held again? Where is it being held? I've forgotten the country, I'm going to find out, but I know that the Nations Cup is taking place in February, so the, normally the World Cups come between August yeah. and uh, between July and August. So I'll find out where they're owning the, the World Cup. So the, the, what I'm just trying to say is, if you can take us as far as the semi-final of the World Cup, this crop of players will be drafted into the Super Eagles. Mm. You understand? Yes, we want yeah. this crop of players to come into the Super Eagles and we'll just infiltrate the team with a few other professionals, like the highest goal scorer with Napoli right now, or perhaps the best goal scorer in Europe, um, Victor Simen. You go and get uh, Ademola Lukman. Lukman is a young boy. He plays with Atlanta Football Club. He has scored 11 goals in the Italian Serie A. You just get a few players who are doing good. Because the problem we have with our Super Eagles of today is the fact that we have just about five good players. Apart from those five, we go to Cyprus to look for Abdullahi, Abdullahi, um, Shewa Abdullahi. We go to Vietnam to look for players. We've got players that are not good. We bring those players and use our national team to sell them. You understand? So it's unfortunate. So I think the only thing they can do now is to commit somebody like Shewa, um, somebody like, uh, what was his name again? Bosu, Ladan Bosu. I tell him, if you can take this team to the semifinal of the under, tw of the under 20 World Cup, and you also talk to um, uh, well, Salisu Yusuf. Salisu Yusuf is the coach of the Olympic under-23 team. Now they have qualified for the next stage of the qualifiers after beating Tanzania. So what it means is that if they win their next qualifier in March, they've qualified for the Olympics. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. So you also tell Salisu Yusuf, if your team can qualify for the Olympics and make it to the quarterfinal of the Olympics, I'm going to, we are going to match your team, the players of your team, and the players of the under-20 team to have a, 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 a new set of Super Eagles. Now, let me tell you what happened. The reason why we have not qualified for major competitions so far, or the, the, one of the major reasons why we did not go to the World Cup, 
is because in the last few years, we have not qualified for the under-17 and under-20 World Cup. So yeah. what it means is that we have not yeah. had players who have moved through the... Uh, who have moved from one stage to the other and moved into the national team. Majority of those players, after playing for the under-17s and under-20, because they did not qualify for the World Cup, they are, they are forgotten. Yeah. Except they found one good agent who is able Again, to push yeah. them outside. If not, yeah. they are all gone. We've, yeah, got, no, we've seen talent just wither away like that. No, it's a good point because look at the, yeah. if you look at the, the top Super Eagles players that are doing very well right now. Yeah. The Osimens, the Taiwa Awoni. Awonis, yeah. They the, all play uh, for the under 20s and the under 70s. Yeah. yeah. You know, even uh, Ajala, what's his name? Yeah. Man. Yeah. All these guys, they all came through the youth ranks. Yeah. The only, in DD, yeah, yeah. All of them, you know, they came through the youth yeah. ranks. So, your point is very valid. If you mm -hmm. if you if you miss out on that opportunity, because what the youth tournaments do, and by the way, yeah. this year's I just looked it up. This year's one is being held in Indonesia. Indonesia, okay. Yeah. So if you if you miss out on that opportunity, you're failing to give your young players an international platform. You know, the global stage where they go and compete against the best U20 players in the world, and yeah. when they do well on that platform. That's what attracts the clubs to sign them abroad. Yeah. And then they end up getting the best training, the best investment, and they turn out to be the best players. I remember when OC Men went to Europe. It was Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg, yeah. Hey, he struggled. He struggled. They didn't play him. They loaned him. But that's why I respect him so much, because he came through the difficult way. Yeah. If you compare him to like a, a Henacho, a Henacho came in differently. A Henacho, you know. Yeah, it was pampered. He was, he was yeah, pampered yeah. at the top. He was pampered at the top. Henacho signed, he signed his first major deal with Man Manchester City. City. Yeah. And yeah. after signing that deal, his father spent six months at Transcorp Hotel. Six months because um, the dad said, My son is a billionaire. Let me enjoy my son's money. <laughs> He spent six good months at Transcorporation <coughs> Hotel in Abuja. And at that particular hotel, they were bringing little, little ladies to come and visit him. So, so many things happened. <laughs> and the dad was saying, I, I said, I'm shopping, I'm chopping my son's money. You understand? And Ienacho yeah. is another young man that could not manage success. Yeah, he yeah. couldn't manage success. We have people like Yenacho. We have people like Success. Uh, what's his name? Promise. Uh, so Isaac Success. Isaac Success. Isaac, Isaac, Isaac Success. Those are young men who got the opportunity they could not. They, they, Isaac Success played. He played for Watford. Watford. Watford he yeah, left Watford. Yeah. He went to Girona. He was in Granada. He was in Granada in Spain. In Granada, yeah. Majority of them could not. Even Kayo Do Larry Waju also oh, had this opportunity as an under 17. Kayo Do Larry Waju was a talent. Yeah, I will never forget when I first saw that boy play. What a talent! Speed, yeah. control. Yeah, speed. Yes. Yeah, the boy was beautiful to watch. I don't know what. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. I as we speak, as our last season was with Silver Sport Football Club in Turkey, in Turkey. and um, as we speak now, I don't even know where he is. Um, it's one young man uh, who is so arrogant. I must also really? tell you that um, yeah, there was a time when it was it became so obvious that he wanted a deal. And it was not possible for him to get the deal. He contacted me and said, they told him that I'm the only one that can get him to the Super Eagles. 
You understand? Because of my relationship with guys at the top. So he called me and I said, oh, yes, I can take it to the national team. He said he has spent this money, he has spent that money. I said, no, I'll, you are not going to give me a dime. I'll take it to the national team. You understand? I called Christopher Green and I said, look, there's a young man that is playing in Austria. His name is Carl. Then he was playing in Austria with um, Austria Vienna. So we brought him to the national team. He had his two opportunities. And uh, unfortunately, he could not meet up. It was after he got to the national team, played two matches with the national team, that he eventually got the deal to Manchester City. Mm. And Kyle, they suddenly became a big boy. He blocked me from his line. He blocked me. I could not even reach him again. This is, that, that is the funny thing with these boys. They use you to get to the top and they forget you. They but get it's, you. it's okay. Unfortunately for him, <coughs> he got to the point where he got to Manchester City Manchester City could not even unveil him before they loaned him out to Girona Football Club in the Spanish League. And after that, Girona gave him opportunity. He could not meet up and they sent him away. And that was the end of Kyle. Yeah. 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 No, it, 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 it's not just him. You know, you look. You, you mentioned as a success. As a success to me. Yeah. Size, you know, the boy had everything. All he had to do was just focus on his game keep working hard, you would have been a very, very successful player. But I don't know what happened along the line. You know, you had that issue. It was, in, it was, uh, it was always partying. It's always partying. You, know, you remember they had that issue in, uh, in uh, England where they busted in the set he went to carry... Yeah. <laughs> Olo Olo <laughs> yeah, success. The same thing is happening to you, Nacho. As I speak with you yeah. right now, you're not sure he's having issues because the young man also likes partying. He likes he likes enjoying himself, and uh, I I I know that once Leicester City tells him to go, be that will tough. be the end of his career. He'll that is going to be the player. end. The, the best the best he can get is going to be a Division Two team. Yeah. You understand? So because uh, or else perhaps he will go to Turkey, play one season in Turkey, and that is the end. Because again, me and you know that most of those boys who claim they were under seventeen then. We are not 17 years old. Yeah. So yeah. those issues are always there to haunt them because yes. it gets to a time when your body can no longer take it. You understand? That is what yeah. is happening to, to Wilfred in Didi as we speak right now. So, yeah. Um, Didi. yeah, because he got Didi. Angel and he hasn't recovered. Yeah, age, age is telling on him. Yeah. <laughs> age is telling on him. So, it's, 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 And I like him, Didi. I like, I like his... Uh... I like his demeanor. I like the way he plays. You know. Yeah, he used to be. He used to be the best defensive defensive midfielder we, we had. After oh, yeah. after Ogeni Onazi oh, came Ndidi uh, Ndidi. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. so sad. But now we 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 have a young man who plays with uh, who played with Rennes Football Club in the French Championnat. His name is uh, uh, Ugochuku Lizzie Lizzie Ugochuku. He just told Pizel yesterday that he's ready to. To play for Nigeria, so if we, got, if we can get Lisley Ugochuku to play for Nigeria, if we can also get uh, what's yeah, this young man that plays for Crystal Palace? Ah, uh, which one? They only say they. The, the two yeah. of them. The two, the of, two them. of them. If we can get the two of them to join this team, and I will get a good coach. There's, there's no need. There's no need Madweke. Noni Madweke, yes, who just the joined the Chelsea, Mecca, yes. who is playing for Chelsea now. Yes, Look, yes. If, Those are young men we should be able to convince to come and play for the national team. We've got wonderful talents out there. If we can oh, get those boys to come many. and get a very good coach, my dear, we we'll win the Nations Cup. Yeah, there are too many. But the, the problem, yeah. like you were saying earlier, right, the problem 
is if we continue, and this all these boys we talked about, Noni Madweke, uh, Olise, all these boys, they're all yeah. good players. You know, they were developed abroad. You know, Bukoya yeah. Saka, they were developed yeah. abroad. They were coached abroad. A lot of themselves never come Ninja. You know. Yeah. Because, yeah. So. Yeah, I know. So that passion, that hunger, that if you ask some of these boys, what's Green Eagles? They would say they don't know. Hmm. You understand? That that tradition that they're supposed to have for wearing that jersey, that jersey that you're wearing, that they're supposed to have. A lot mm. of them, it doesn't mean anything to them. You understand? Is it yeah. it's an opportunity to further their career if they become an international? But in terms of saying, you know, some of these boys, you'd be surprised. You take them and say, ah, do you know who mathematical is? No, number seven, they'll say, ah, who is that? <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. With, with this kind of teams, if you don't respect the tradition behind the team, what it means to wear that jersey, to go and play, you know, if you don't respect it, they are not going to give... 120% for that green, white, green when you step on that pitch. Yeah. You know? And that's why it's important. Like when you look at when you look at um Osimen, when he plays for Nigeria and he plays for Napoli, no difference. He's the same person. His determination is I said you know, you know I was the media officer under 20 yeah. with Osimen in the team. When we play set, just the normal training matches, the normal training matches. Osimen, if Osimen teams concede a goal, the anger with which we attack his teammates, he will tell them, I don't want to lose match. Osimen, Osimen is an animal on the field of play. Oh, yeah, Osimen yeah, doesn't true. want to lose, even if it's a friendly match. Yeah. That is the kind of determination you expect from other players. But unfortunately, we don't have too many players that have that kind of zeal to play, to play for a national team. Yeah, but we need what you were saying, the youth level. Yeah. To really bring those guys in. So when we're looking for a crop of guys, we're looking mm. for not just looking for guys that the English FA or the French FA or the Dutch FA have developed to play for their youth teams. Okay, come and play for your father's country. Because a lot of them, mm. I may be wrong in certain instances, but a lot of them, that's how they see it. Yeah. If you think about it, you can't blame them. They didn't grow up in Nigeria. They might have gone there maybe once. They grew up abroad. So they, they, they're playing for because their parents are from, you know, their parents are from there. They just were born and raised abroad. You know, yeah. so they, they, yeah, I'll go play for Nigeria. It'll be good for me, whatever. By the way, the English team is not calling me or the French team is not calling me or the Dutch team is not calling me. You know, I look at the Bukaya Saka situation. Yeah. You know, I don't blame them. Imagine, imagine that talent playing for Nigeria. Uh, yeah. Imagine. You know, but <laughs> can, we, can we blame him? We can't blame him. No, you can't blame him. You can't. <laughs> look, at, look, at, look at Tammy Abraham. Tammy Abraham, you know, played for Chelsea. Had that window where he could have played for Nigeria or played for England. He chose England. Hmm. But now he no longer he was no longer a starter with Chelsea. He ends up going to play for Roma. The English stopped calling him. He didn't go to the World Cup. But had he come with us, right? They would, nobody would have dropped him, even if he went yeah. to Roma. Yeah. But the problem is, you know, 
he that connection a player has to have that strong connection to say yes this is what i'm going to do and sometimes some of them don't have it but that the youth develop, development if we do it at home then you have a larger crop of guys you remember uh, the world cup in was it russia or brazil i think it was russia or croatia russia yeah, they didn't take a, they didn't take Kovacic. I don't know if you recall. Yeah, the place for Chelsea. They didn't take him. Why? Because he fell out with the coach. The coach told him to leave, and they and they went to the final. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, so that's the kind of pool of players that a team is supposed to develop. So that way they can say, okay, you know what? Okay, I'm picking Osimhen. You know, he's just a friendly. I don't need to call Osimhen. And Croatia is just a, is a country of just four million people. My brother, Lagos, Lagos has the larger population of Croatia. Yeah. Yeah. We, we should be able to find a Super Eagles team in Echo. In Lagos, have... yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. And we have the players there. There are so many players. In, in fact, in Lagos, in Kanu, you can get you can get two national teams. Yes, But no. another thing I will tell you is that um, our coaches are lazy. We've got coaches back home that are very lazy. Um, for once, perhaps because of the pressure from people like us, Ladamboso, has decided to work. Before, Ladaboso will tell you, I'm going to this under-20 World Cup or this Nations Cup with 22 foreign-based players. He will tell you, oh, no, 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 no. I, if, I, if I don't have foreign-based players in my team, I cannot win. But we exactly. made them understand that you've got players back home here that can give you victory in any competition you go to. Yes. Now, most of these coaches are beginning to believe in those players. The under-17 team today, in fact, Boso invited six foreign base players for this under twenty that is going to that is going to uh, Egypt. And as we speak, out of those six, he has decamped about three or four. In fact, two of them are from Arsenal. He has told them to go. Can you see? Because they didn't meet up. They yeah. didn't meet up. So you see, we, we've come to a time where we can boldly tell foreign base players, "Look, you are not good enough." What, what we have back home is better than what you can give us. So please go back. You understand? So it's unfortunate, but... <laughs> no, it's unfortunate, <laughs> but we are right. It, it's, it's everything. It's development of coaches. Yeah. If you have... if I don't know. I heard... Do we still have NFF uh, coaching badges? License one, two, three, four... Yeah, I think under Majuri, the last two years they've not done it. They used to, uh, they have, they they used to do um, the coaching courses. They yeah. do the um, the um, the C C license, B license, and A license. Of course, the A license is the highest. But um, in the last three or four years, they've not done it under Majuri. When Amaju came into office, the first uh, the first two months of his um, of his channel, you know what he did. Yeah. He took some referees out to UK and said that he was taking them on a tour of UK referees. He came back and also took coaches out to UK, and that was all. He now said that it was going to be a yearly thing, that coaches will go out there and sit down and look at how coaches out there do it. In fact, I remember that when he took the coaches out, he also took them to Arsenal, where they saw where they saw and met Arsene Wenger. But since then, to date, until he left office, nothing happened. Those promises came with the time and they left with the time. It's unfortunate. So, like I said, um, we need to change many things. We need, to, we need to improve our coaches. We also need to go back to our youth football. 
We must believe that our youth football can be... We should not depend so much on foreign players. If we must get a player from outside, it must be a player that is playing good football, that is playing for a top club. Today, we see players, players playing for Crystal Palace, players playing for Napoli, players playing for Arsenal. Those are players that are playing top-flight football. You should not only play top-flight football, you must also be starting for your club. 100%. Unfortunately, we invite players that, not, that are not even... That are, that are not even sitting on the bench for their clubs. And you invite them to come and play for the national team. And they yeah, come me, here, they think they're doing Nigeria a favor. Let me ask you about that. If you have... Let's say you have a player who's uh, starting for Kano Pillars. And he's, you know, maybe he plays midfield and he's playing every game for Kano Pillars, in fact. And he's doing well, very well. And you have another player that's on the bench, maybe in uh, Israel or Denmark or Belgium, barely playing. And you have that midfield position, maybe yeah. central midfield, to invite. If you were a coach, who would you invite? I would take the young man in Kano Pillars because I see him on a daily basis and um, I'm able to know his conditioning. I'm able to know his mental state. I know what he can offer. He's closer to me. I can easily talk to him and tell him, young man, I'll be inviting you to the national team in the next three months. But for <laughs> next, between now and that three months, I will keep tag on you. I will monitor your performance and I want to see what you can offer me. That, in that way, you are making him understand that he needs to come and fight and die for the national team. The young man that is in Israel, he's making money. He's seeing dollars on a daily basis. No matter what you tell him, he, he doesn't want to die for Nigeria. That's that's why players like Ademola Lukmok came to Nigeria, played football, and he was not ready to die. Most of those boys are not willing to die for Nigeria. They just, they just feel that they are doing you a favor. They are doing this yeah. country a favor. You look for players that are thirsty, players that are hungry to play for Nigeria. Those kind of players, in the days of Shegu Odegbami, Christian Chuku, those are players that wanted to die on the field of play. Samuel Okwaraji played for the national team and died on the pitch. You don't have players like that again in the national team. You can never get them again. So we need to start looking at these home-based players. Now, I will, I will tell you to go and watch a tape. Go and watch the video clip of a friendly match with Costa Rica just before the World Cup. I know we lost the that The same game. Costa Rica team that defeated, that defeated um, <coughs> Japan defeated Japan and played a draw with Spain. I mean, okay, they almost beat Spain. They lost to Germany also. Go and watch that Costa Rican team against Nigerian team. We lost in that friendly match. We played against the full team of Costa Rica with our own best players. We lost by two goals to nil. But my dear, go and watch what those Nigerian boys played. That is the same set of players that um, Salisu Yusuf is using to play the Olympic qualifiers in a match. Majority so of those boys are in that team. Players. Yeah. Okay. Majority of those boys are in that team. So, you see... I think um, we need to be, begin to believe in these boys, these home base players. Majority of them want to fight. They also want to be like they want to be like um, the indigenous of this world. They want to be like the Kelechi Enachos. Kelechi Enacho was sitting under the NFF on NFF step, uh, the the step of the glass house as far back as 2013. He will come down there and he will tell us, "Hey, media, media, journalists." Mona, help me. Mona, give me money. Make I buy sweets. Make I buy water. I need pure water. We'll give him money and we'll go and buy pure water and drink. The young man, as of 2013, was not known by anybody. But Kelechi Yenashaw, as of 2013, went to the FIFA Under-17 World Cup, 
won the FIFA under 17 World Cup and got a deal with Manchester City. Today, Kelechi Yena, if you see him, I say, uh, Kele, are you there? He go look at you like and say, who is this? Who is this person? And you know the funny thing about Kelechi Yena, no. as at the time he was playing for under 17 national team, they were already calling him Papa. It tells you that that man is not a young man. The same thing with Kanu Wako. When Kanu Wako was playing for the under 17 national team, they were calling him Papilo. You know the meaning of Papilo in here? <laughs> well, you could leave this talk out there. <laughs> Aleo, my brother. Listen, uh, I appreciate you so much. Look, thank you so much for coming. And I think, when are, when, are we, when are we going to do this again now? No, just let me know. Anytime you are, any day I'm off, I'll just let you know the days I'm off. Then we can always do it. I'm okay. I'm fine. Okay. How's life in uh, New Brunswick? We're fine. We're good. Okay. It's, it's cold. Are you here. in Canada? Are you in Canada or in US? I'm in Toronto now. Eh, hey, big yeah, boys. Yeah, yeah. And I go host World Cup now for 2026. Yeah, all of us go. All of us go host them now. Uh, yeah. We'll go do, we'll go do things. Things plenty yeah. we'll go do. No, we'll go plan now. Two things plenty. No, there are many things. We we'll do many things with the NFF. Do you, you know, no. I just I just got my agency license. I'm not a football um, intermediary. They just gave yeah, that to me. Yeah, you know, like what they changed the registration uh, process. So now we have to go and do that thing with FIFA. Um, no, no, if you want it, I can still help you get it. There is, yeah, you can still get it through the NFF. Okay. Huh? okay. okay. You can still get, I'll get it. I'll get it for you through the NFF. Okay, we'll talk. We'll yeah. talk. We'll talk. Oh, okay. well, yeah, but, but yeah. I think... You know, this this is the first time I'm I'm even doing a live. <clears throat> so yeah. I think that um you know moving forward maybe once a week. Okay. Uh, yeah, like maybe this Friday will be a good time. Try and schedule live sessions just to mm. bring in different people. But um no, no, definitely good good conversation, my brother. You know, it's always yeah. a pleasure talking to you. I think yeah, no yeah, yeah, I call you an encyclopedia of NFF. You're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this wealth of knowledge of history. Yeah, look, we, we, we've been with them for, I've been with the NFL for the past uh, 15 to 20 years. And then, of course, um, like I said, we have sat down to eat and drink. I've gone into their bedrooms, all of them. Amaju Pinik, Shewudiko, Guso, I've been into their bedroom. I've sat down with Guso to eat during Salah. Even when they are doing their Muslim, we sit down together, we break fast together. I'm a Christian. We breakfast together. We do so many things together. So I know their families. I know their lifestyle. I know everything about them. So, of course, that's why if I talk, they don't want me to get angry. If they know that I'm getting angry, they say, Wally, please, please, because they know if I talk, whatever I give out is the truth. They know because I know them. I know everything about them. No, we'll, we'll talk some more. I definitely, there's okay. definitely a lot of things that we need to talk about. I think, uh, you know, by, I, I like this conversation we had. You know, there's, I like what you said about Gusso. You know, yeah. um, if he is that, if he does have that kind of personality, then yeah, there might be there might be hope for us moving forward. There is, there is, there is, there is. I just hope that he employs the right people and put them in the right positions. Um, what he did, he has been able to set up four committees. Normally, we have about ten committees. He's only he has only been able to set up four of those committees. Now, even the ones you set up, you have not inaugurated them. We expect that by now he should be able to set up the. The technical committee, that's a very key committee. Set it up so that we can have technical men that can sit down with um, Pesero and tell him, tell us your program. We have um, we have World Cup qualifiers and um, we have Nations Cup qualifiers coming up in the month of March. Tell us your plans for Nigerian football. They can also call Salisu Yusuf and say, come, you are playing the Olympic qualifier in March. What are your plans for Nigerian football? Ma January is gone. February is here. February is just 28 days. 
So we need to start talking to these coaches. You don't just put coaches there. You don't have people that can speak with them. That is why he needs to set up the technical committee. That is a very important committee. And another sad part of it is that we have the chairman of the technical department, Augustine Eguavon. Eguavon took us to the work, uh, to the uh, to the Nations Cup, and let, I mean, I was booted out in the four, in the second round. Mm -hmm. World Cup qualifier, Eguavon <clears throat> could not qualify us for the World Cup. The same Eguavon has been a monumental failure. I don't know why you will not make a man who failed woefully to become the chairman of the technical committee. The, that, that is the sad part because now you said, they said they were going to sack all the coaches that failed to qualify for the World Cup. You, stack, you sacked Amunike, but you did not sack Eguavon. You pushed him up to chairman of the technical committee and you put Salih Su Yusuf as the coach of the Super Eagles Team B and also the coach of the Under-23 national team. Are you saying Amunike is the problem with the Nigerian national team? No. no. If you want to sack no. them, sack everybody. If you are not sacking everybody, then it means that there are issues, there are sentiments. Salisu Yusuf is the pride of the North, and that's why nobody can touch him. Augustine Eguavon is a brother to Amadou Pinik. He's from Niger Delta, and that's why they refuse to sack him. Amunike is the prodigal son. He doesn't have anybody that could fight for him, and they told him to go. Today, that is the only person that is successful among all Nigerian coaches. He's coaching in Zambia. He's the coach of Zesco Football Club in Zambia. One of us is the collecting minutes. Eh? I said he got the job with Zesco. Yeah, Zesco. He's, he's, he's done almost six months now with Zesco. And of course, they, they've started winning matches. You understand? But Eguavon is busy, busy calling himself chairman of technical committee when the national team has not played the match for the past for the past three, four months. What chairman are you doing? You understand? Mm. Yeah, and yeah, Salisu yeah. Yusuf is there too. <clears throat> of course, Salisu Yusuf has not been paid for 13 months now. The last time we spoke, he told me, Wale, after a friendly match, the friendly match the Super Eagles played in the US, he said he could not even get money to buy Tom Tom at the airport to bring back to his family back home. That's how bad things are under Maju. Coaches have been there for years and they've not been paid. You owe local coaches, you owe foreign coaches, and you make so much money from Aitio. And you say, oh, our books are okay. We are not, uh, Pricewater has declared, declared us uh, um, free. My dear, ask them where are those money going to? They will put it there that they spend that money on the national team. They paid coaches' salary. They paid this one. They paid this. But the coaches have not been paid. And you have put it on the paper you get to price water that you have paid all their money. You have paid all outstanding bonuses. Let me tell you a story. Do you know that the money they were owing to Kwezi and um, Victor Osime as far back as 2016 have not been paid to today? That was when these boys were in the under 20 national team. The same Chukwezi and Osime have been used, they've been used as players in the under 23 national team and the Super Eagles. They've played the Olympics qualifiers. They play for the Super Eagles. And yet, you are still owing them money from the under-20s of 2016. That's crazy. Bros. Bros. It's well. My man. <laughs> you do well. It is well. <laughs> no, 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 no problem, my brother. May, may we talk. So, okay. no go ahead. And, yeah, no, no problem. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. All the best, man. Yeah. All right. Okay. I don't end up. Yeah.